0: I don't know if you've ever gone on a long trip before. Anybody gone on a long trip before? Come on, somebody, and got to the place. And whenever you got to that place, you know what you you discovered that they actually uh, didn't necessarily want you in that place, but you had come to that place to do something significant. Anybody ever done anything like that? Happened to me a few years ago. I went to Nigeria. And actually, I went to meet my friend, Love God, who was on the end of the stage here a few minutes ago uh, singing. And I traveled to Nigeria from uh, the kingdom of Swaziland. I had left Swaziland, went to Nigeria. It was quite a trip, quite a long trip. But once I landed in Nigeria at this humongous airport, I discovered that, you know, I had come too far, but, but they didn't really want me there. And the reason they didn't want me there is because I didn't have the proper documentation in order to get through the airport of people in order to enter into their country. I love God. uh, He forgot to tell me um, that they wanted you to have this little yellow card whenever you traveled internationally to a particular land like uh, Nigeria. And in order to get in the country, you had to have a yellow card that basically said you had all your shots and you'd done all your things and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't have my yellow card when I got into the airport. The lady asked me what I was doing there. And I said, well, I come to, to see love God. And I don't know if you know it, but love God is not a like a, a common name, you know, um, you know, and it's really his name. It's his given name. And, um, you know, so she actually thought I was crazy because I said, I'm, I'm coming to see love God and She's like, well, uh, you know, love God, you know, all these kind of things. And she was looking at me like I'm crazy. And she says, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you just stand right there until all of these other people pass through. And then they interrogated me and basically said, "Um, you know, you can't come into the land until we take you to our government officials. And, you know, it was it was quite a catastrophe. But, you know, what? I'd gone way too far (laughs) not to get to what I needed to get to. And I don't know about you, but maybe in life you've come too far not to get to where you need to get to. And and we're going to learn from a passage of Scripture today that actually many of us have gone way too far not to keep pressing through whatever is pressing against us to get to what we need to get to. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to open them up to to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And Matthew chapter 2 is another recording of uh, the birth time of Jesus, uh, the historical events that happen around the birth of Christ as we know it today, the birth of Jesus. And, and we're going to kind of read through this story, and then I'm going to come back and make a, a couple of quick points about continuing to press in to get to what we are all really looking for. The Bible says this, beginning with verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, a little small town right outside of Jerusalem down in Judea. During the the reign of King Herod, this is significant, because King Herod had been ruling and reigning in the king of Judea For some 30 years. He was the ruler there in that particular region for 30 years. And he was quite a ruler. Because you see he had brought a lot of prosperity to Jerusalem. He had rebuilt the temple there in Jerusalem. It was a magnificent temple. It was an extravagant temple. He had favor with many of the Jewish people. He had favor with the Roman Empire. And he was a man in a position to do great things. And many of the people that lived in the Jerusalem area, in the Judea area, uh, they they loved King Herod. He was a well thought of man. But in his latter years, he began to have some psychological problems. He began to have some insecure problems. And in his latter years, as people began to threaten his throne, he began to kill people around him. He killed his wife, he killed one of his sons, he killed many of his family members because they actually threatened his position of power and he had become an insecure leader though he was a well thought of a leader. The Bible says this is the time that this Jesus was born in a manger down in Bethlehem. It was in a time period where a man had ruled and reigned over that region for 30 years. That's amazing. And all of a sudden, in God's timing, he sends a newborn king, as it's referred to in this passage, his name is Jesus, into the city of Bethlehem. The Bible says, about that time, some wise men from an eastern land arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? The timing of this question is crucial. We saw his star as it rose. And we have come to worship him. We have come to give allegiance to a new king. The Bible says King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. And this is a phrase that I underline in my Bible this week, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So not only King Herod was deeply disturbed, the Jewish people, the religious people, the people that lived in Jerusalem were disturbed because some men from a distant land showed up and, and basically began to ask about a, a newborn king. He called a meeting of the leading priests, Herod did, and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of uh, Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from from you who will be a shepherd of my people, Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting. So he had a a meeting with the priest and the leading religious leaders, though he was a religious leader himself. The Bible says that Herod now calls a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that... uh, Uh, The time when the star first appeared to them. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can also go and worship him too. The Bible says this in verse 9. After the interview, the wise men went their way. The wise men went on their way. In other words, you know what? We've come way too far not to go do what we came to do. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, the Bible says they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy again. Because the star led them not only to the land, not only to the city that the king was born in, but to the very house where this baby was with his mama. That's fascinating to me. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever looked up in the stars at the stars in the sky, but I don't think any of us could get to a, an exact house based on a star in the sky. And it's fascinating to me that it took, them, took these guys from a distant land. Most scholars believe for, from a, a land over 400 miles away and it led them to the area of 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 Judah it led them to the area of Jerusalem it led them to the the city of Bethlehem to the exact house where this child was laid now again there's been astronomers and all kinds of people try to explain what this star is what comet happened what what passed by in this particular age period and did Mars and Jupiter line up and make it brighter and everything else. People have tried to come up with all these scientific ways to describe this star. But it could it be that this star doesn't have to be scientifically proved, just like the virgin birth doesn't have to be scientifically proved because God had shown up on the scene and he had an appointed time and an appointed place to burst something in a little town called Bethlehem that would change the world. Could it be that God is a miracle worker? Could it be that God's hand was in this? And could it be the very spirit of the living God leading these men to the place they had come to camp out and be. I think so many times we try to get so focused on the scientific facts of what God is going to do. And in reality, God is outside of scientific facts. Did you know that God can defy gravity? And what I mean by that, he can defy the gravitational pull in your life. The things that are negatively pulling you back and pulling you down. There is a great God who can step in and change those particular things in your life. And he can bring joy in your circumstances. No matter what the circumstance is, The circumstance does not have to define joy in your life. There is a God that will defy gravity and define something else in your life. And so I wonder if you know this great God. I wonder if you read through the stories and the historical accounts of things like this. And miss exactly what King Herod who was a priest, a religious priest, that lived in the land of Jerusalem where God had said the Messiah, the liberator, would be born. I wonder if you fall in the category of some wise men that traveled from a distant land. or you write among the very things of God and you totally miss the joy in the circumstance. I discovered that sometimes the people so close to success with God are so far away. And I've discovered that those who are distantly far away sometimes reach a place of no return. And when they come too far, they are like, nothing is going to turn me back to where I come from because there is a God who has led me out of a place and he's taken me into a place. And he's an amazing God. And, and, And so as we look at this story, some amazing things. The Bible says they were now filled with joy, probably the same joy that they had whenever they... They saw the star when they were in the eastern lands. They saw the star in the lands that they were originally in. They entered the house and they saw the child and his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest. And they gave him gifts. Of gold. Frankincense. And myrrh. And when... When it was time to leave, the Bible says they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod, that that one who should have known the truth but who had missed the truth. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about, you know what, you have gone way too far. Not to embrace the joy that God has in store for you. You have gone way too far not to be filled with the joy that God has in store for you. And in order to really experience the joy, joy is different than happiness. Joy is a choice and joy isn't based on the circumstances but the joy of the Lord in a heart of a believer is based on what is still yet to come. What God has said, what they know in spite of the circumstance. And, and so what do you know about God? What do you know? Did you come to worship? Did you come to sing some songs? Did you come to open your treasure chest? Did you come to believe that God is who He says He is and you are who He says you are and you've come too far not to go back? These are some wise men. And can I tell you, there was an entourage of them more than likely. The Bible doesn't say. Most people in our culture think there was three of them because they gave three gifts. But could they have gave three million gifts? I mean, I don't know how many gifts they gave, but they came from a distant land, and more than likely, based on history of who Herod was and the position he was in and what he was doing under the circumstances that they rolled up, And said, hey, we're here to see a newborn king. They had to be more than a couple of them. Because you know what? They would have been a threat to Herod. And more than likely, they come in and they were walking as an army of people. And they said, we're coming here because God led us here. We're coming here because we believe in the Messiah that they prophesied long, long ago. And Herod, we are on the scene. And Herod was a bit intimidated. So he said, well, y'all go in and find him. Because when you find him, then then maybe I can get to him and take him out and, 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 and take him away. I wonder today if you're so caught up in the traditional Christmas story. You are missing the very joy of the Lord in this circumstance, in this situation, in this Christmas season, in 2018. Because the joy of the Lord is among us. The all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-at-one-time God, no matter what has happened in 2018 in your life, is among us. And have you gone too far to let a circumstance a situation, a crisis in the community turn you back from the joy that the Lord has brought you to experience. I wonder, I wonder if we're here today to be joyful in the presence of the Lord. And so here's what I want you to grab hold of today. Joy is a choice. You can choose to be joyful based on who God is. Or you can choose to be happy based on what's happening in and around your life. And I think it's possible to be happy and to be joyful. I think it's possible to be blessed and to be joyful. But I also think it's possible to be underneath some stress and be joyful. And joy is a choice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. The, the writer Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and he says be joyful always. Now I don't know about you but that seems very difficult. But it, it, it's only difficult if, if you describe joy as happiness. He doesn't say be happy always. He says be filled with joy always. So, so how can you be filled with joy always? It's your focus, man. It's your outcome. It's, it's what you are looking past and looking forward to that brings joy. Joy doesn't come from the immediate. Joy comes from understanding who you are why you are here, what's going on, and it's not defined by circumstances. It's not defined by gravity. It's not defined by this earth. It's defined by the great God, and you choose in your heart whether to believe that He is who He says He is or not believe who He says He is. Let the joy of the Lord rise among us. Let the joy of the Lord fill our heart. Let the joy of the Lord get into us and change our life. Choose joy. And so, again, you know what? Many, many people are in darkness. Many people, you know what, are in stagnation. And I want you to understand these can be enemies of joy. And so I wrote down a few no- notes about this passage based on where many of the people were, many people were happy. Again, Herod had brought prosperity to Jerusalem. I mean, this, this, this city was a no joke city. I mean, it was a happening place. It was wealthy. It was incredible. It was phenomenal. He had built an incredible building, an incredible temple that basically outshined the one that, that Solomon built. Now, that that's fascinating to me. And so there were some Jewish people in the city that was prim- primarily Jewish that were very, very excited about what Herod was doing. I, I mean, I know the Bible gives us a picture that he was wicked because he killed some babies down in Bethlehem. But I want you to get the cro- co- correct angle on who he was. And yes, he was wicked and he was disturbed. And he was confused and he was insecure. And that's why he began to kill babies because his kingdom was was threatened. But also, on the other side of that, politically, you know what? He was a well-thought-of human being. He was a well-thought-of leader because he had had brought prosperity to the people. But when these wise men, when these people come from the east, you know what? Instead of letting a disturbed ruler and a settled people, because see, that's where the people were, they were settled. That's why the Bible says everyone in Jerusalem was also, also disturbed. Did you catch that in the passage? Because they were settled. Kind of like America. You know what I'm saying? We, we get settled. God is good. God is great. God, God is prospering us. Why would we want any, any kind of political political change, you know? And again, a lot of times that's what drives politics, isn't it? It's the prosperity of a community. Let, let's pick a leader based on how prosperous the community can be. And can I tell you, if, if the world that we live in is being prosperous, if you and your family are getting fed finances, come on, somebody. You get real excited about the political leader. Understand, this is where these people are in Jerusalem. They were some wealthy people. They lived under the rule and reign of a a king who had brought wealth to their community. And so when somebody shows up and says, hey, there's getting ready to be a political change. There's a new king of the Jews. Can I tell you, it disturbed many of the people. And and, and when you begin to talk about there's a God... (laughs) Greater than the circumstance, greater than your nationalism, greater than you know what your race or or your gender. When you get when you start talking about a God that is greater than than people's problems and people's success, can I tell you it begins to disturb some people, just like it did Herod. But you gotta choose joy in the circumstance. You gotta be determined, even though people are disturbed. And I want you to understand today that these wise men, they were determined. To get to this Messiah, this newborn king, this one in Jerusalem. Because they had experienced the joy of the Lord in a distant land some 400 miles away, more than likely. And they had come through way too much. They had gone way too far. They had traveled over mountains. They had traveled through valleys. They had traveled through the desert. They had traveled through some rough terrain. And they showed up in Jerusalem. And I need you to know, when Herod was disturbed, they were determined. Because, you know what? We no, we done come way too far and we've been traveling way too long in order not to experience this joy of this Messiah that is born in this region. And Herod, we will not be turned back and we are determined though you are disturbed. I wonder if you have that kind of heart today. I wonder if you are so determined to experience God in the joy of the Lord. That nothing that disturbs anybody keeps you from pressing in towards the joy of the Lord. See, you experience joy when you are determined. Next thing I wrote down about this passage, the reason they experienced joy and Herod was living right there amidst where the Messiah, the liberator was born. But can I tell you something? He was a man filled with jealousy. And they were some people from a far off land that was filled with joy. I just need you to know today, jealousy is a blocker to joy. And when you begin to look at what's around you, when you begin to define who you are by a denomination, A culture, a color, or a language. Can I tell you what that begins today? It begins to divide your heart and cause jealousy to rise up in your heart because you begin to have animosity towards a people group or a sect of people based on you thinking that you are outdone or outlasted or whatever else it is against another group. And honestly, that's jealousy. And I need you to know today that God is for you, not against you. And no matter what any human has done to you from any generation, no matter what any national group has oppressed you in any generation, I need you to know that joy is a choice. And God is greater than the racial divides that happen in humans' hearts. And I need you to know that, you know what, sometimes people mistreat you. And sometimes people have a heart of 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 pride and they try to try to lord over you and oppress you and push you down. But I need you to know, and this disturbs some people, that there's a God who is greater than Than any Herod in your life. There is God who is greater than anyone who is trying to oppress you and shove you down. There is a God who is for you and he's not against you. There is a God who wants to do something in your life no matter what the circumstances are. Will you choose joy? Or will you choose jealousy? See, see joy is a choice, and you can spend all your life being bitter and jealous because of a past circumstance or a past time period that you weren't even a part of, and my friends, I think it's time for people to unite underneath a banner called Jesus. <laughs> And let him be the Lord of our life and the king of our life. And we to get over some of our circumstantial differences and choose joy. Let the joy of the Lord rise among us. Lastly, I wrote down about this passage because I think it's a fascinating passage. I think it teaches us that we've all come too far not to choose joy. And the way I wrote it down in my journal is, I choose joy when I choose generosity. See, that's exactly what they do. Look, look what it says in the passage. They choose generosity over greed. Herod had let the greed in his heart of being a king and a lord with, with all the goods in the world. I'm telling you, this was a wealthy, wealthy man. He lived in a wealthy city and he had a wealthy town. He had brought wealth to a community of people. He had favor with the Romans. He had favor with the Jews. But can I tell you. All of that. Had overtaken him. And greed had overtaken his heart. However the Bible says that. The men from a distant land. They they chose joy. They chose generosity. Over. Over greed. And it's. It's exhibited when they open their treasure chest. See, your treasure chest, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And I invite you to basically look at your life and see where you open up your treasure chest. Or if you do open up your treasure chest. Because if you refuse to open up your treasure chest. Your heart. Then then can I tell you something? That means maybe greed has snuck in. And stolen the joy. That God intends for you to have. And I wonder today. If you will press through. What has beginning to make you think that you are without? I wonder if you'll press through and begin to worship Jesus. Or are you going to continue to let the enemy make you feel like there is never enough? I'm here to declare to you today, based on who God is, no matter what the circumstance is in this world, and no matter what the the material possessions say about your status, there is a great God who is more than enough in all circumstances. And I just want to touch for just a second. Because these gifts they open up, they weren't just any old gifts, they were significant gifts. And they spoke a lot about what their heart was connected to. And the Bible says they brought gold. Anybody know gold significant? Oh yeah, you do. But in this culture, it wasn't only significant for buying power, it also represented kings. And the Bible says they brought frankincense. It was a material used that would send an aroma up to God from priests in that particular day. Then the Bible says they brought myrrh, another another type oil or lotion that would be put on people, particularly the dead people, in order to preserve their body for burial. The Bible says that that's the gift that they brought to this newborn king in a manger when they found the baby with his mama in a house. And again, the reason they brought those gifts is because, you know what, and opened up that treasure chest is because their heart, their heart was connected to the joy in the house. And they knew that the joy in the house was a king. They knew that that he was the the priest of God, that, that he would be the intercessor for all humanity. They also knew that, you know what, he would have to suffer as a servant. And they may not have known all the logistics of that whenever they came in. But they had enough inclination of who the Messiah, the liberator was. So the Bible says they opened up their treasures. There were allegiance towards what Jesus was going to do. And, And can I tell you something? That's where your heart experiences joy. Whenever you open up your heart in allegiance to what Jesus is going to do. It's not about what you have. It's not about what's been done. It's not about what the circumstance is today. It's about opening your heart for what Jesus is still going to do. And my friend, he did come as a suffering servant. He is acting priest in the heavenlies right now. But you better make no mistake about it. My Bible says he's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is who he says he is. And I'm going to keep opening my treasure chest, my heart up so many times over and over. To believe this and to get this good news out around the world. He's coming back and there is more. And my friend, he is more than enough. Your circumstance may be defining you today, but would you choose joy and begin to let God define you based on who he says he is. May the joy of the Lord rise among us. And the Bible says this. It says it's actually what our Savior did. Let me read it to you. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, you want to keep running this race called life? Uh, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Hebrews 12, verse 1. The Bible says, how you do this? It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why does it say that he did what he did on a cross? The Bible says because of the joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Awaiting him. The Bible says he endured. Everybody say endure. endure. He endured the cruel cross. The Bible says he disregarded its shame. My friend, I wonder if you've gone too far today. Have you pursued God in such a way? Have you sought Him out? Those who seek the Lord will find Him, is what my Bible says. I wonder if you're like the distant wise men. You've heard glimpses of the story. You know what, maybe from a grandmama, maybe from a generation before, maybe from a church, maybe from a TV program, and you've heard glimpses that, that there's a coming King, that there is a Messiah. And I wonder if you have been so determined to meet this King and let Him become the King of your heart that you know what, you have not let anything stand in your way to block you from getting to King Jesus and getting to His feet and worship Him. I wonder today if Herod is defining who you are. Or is God defining who you are? Because my friend, He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is who he says he is. And I wonder today if you would just go ahead and stand up on your feet because we're going to worship him. We're going to worship him. And I need you to break through. I'm going to invite our band to go ahead and come out. They didn't know I was going to do this, so give them a minute. I'm going to keep talking. And we're going to sing this song again because he is a way maker, he is who he says he is. And my friend, somebody needs to break through in some joy today. Somebody needs to experience some joy today. Somebody needs to experience this way maker today. They're going to come on out. They're going to sing this song. They're going to do what they they do best. And they're going to lead us in this worship. And it's going to be phenomenal. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. Let me pray as they come out. God, it's the season. It's the season. For us to experience you, God. It's the season for us, God, to, to know who you are. And God, no matter what the circumstances people walked in here today, with today, God, I pray that we'd be no divide between the love of Christ and the sacrifice he made on that cross as he gave his life to forgive us of our sin. God, there would be nothing that stands in the way of a person clinging by faith to that great joy in a returning king. God, there's nothing that can hold us back. There's nothing that can stand in our way. And God, we're going to sing today because we believe you're a way maker. You're a way maker. You're a miracle worker. God, would you work some miracles in this place today? Would you speak the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls? God, would you would you begin to put jealous hearts back together with joy? God, would you begin to make those that are filled with greed, begin to make them a generous people? Let us worship you, God. Let us believe you're a way maker, God. Come on, let's worship God together today. Come on, church. He's a way maker. He's a miracle